You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 95. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hello, this is Ed K. Smith from The Business Marketing Show. Welcome to another episode and uh, I'm joined today, of course, by the co-host Brendan Tully. Hey, Brendan, how are you? Hi. And, uh, we have our special guest, Paula Smith from the Global Institute of Training and Presenting. Hello, Paula. How are you? Hi, Ed. Hi, Brendan. How are you? Excellent. Great. Excellent now that we have you on the show. Uh, uh, very sweet. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. No, you're absolutely welcome. It's uh, it's long overdue. Um, one of the things we we really wanted to talk about, which is what you spend a lot of your time doing, is presentation skills. Uh, that's something you've yes. been doing. You've been presenting yourself and training for a long, long time, and had a very successful business, which we'll touch on in a sec when we get a bit of your backstory. Uh, but also the other thing which is important that we want to talk about is the importance of storytelling in your business, in your marketing, in your communications. Uh, so we want to go through the the, the main aspects of, of those two areas for presenting and storytelling with you to get your thoughts on the subject. So, Sure. And Thank we you. only have half an hour, so that's a bit sad. Well, we don't necessarily have half an hour. We can days, go longer. Days. We're not we're not restricted to half an hour. We can go longer. But you know, it depends on where you've got to go. I mean I'll, I'll, Brendan's got nothing else to do for the rest of the day. I know he usually doesn't I'm do important things, Ed. There's nothing more important than powerful <laughs> presenting, Brendan. Just saying. This is Okay. This is exactly it. Here. <laughs> yeah. You've got to walk away from this and it, it, I'm just going to be amazing at presenting. <laughs> yeah, pre presenting is always one of those things you can improve on. Uh, and it's a core thing that I do. I do quite a lot of presenting. Um, and I know you do, Paula. And uh, Brendan, do you? <laughs> well, not so much anymore. I don't, you did a lot before, but... Yeah, I have a lot. I have spoken at a lot, a lot of things. It's... Um, I've dialed it down a bit because it's a lot of work, right? It's, uh, you know, to, to put together a fresh presentation would easily be 20, 40 hours worth of work. So, yeah. And that's often what people forget, isn't it? So, mm. so let's do a bit of a backstory. I'm rubbing my hands in excitement. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to go back to, we want to go back to what sort of got you started because you've been an entrepreneur pretty much your whole life from the conversations I've had with you. Um, and you're you're a bit of a powerhouse. Well, I think you are, and certainly <laughs> Lois thinks you are. Uh, we, we always hold you on a, a high pedestal of uh, achievement and work ethic. So oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. And we so go go back to your your early days uh, yeah. out of out of school. What were you focusing on when you uh, left left high school and went into? Were you doing any university studies, or what sort of were you doing around those times? Okay, well, it does go back to school days. So uh, I moved schools when I was about 15 years of age. And that's a bit of a tough gig for a 15-year-old to go to a brand-new school. Yeah. And uh, I was only there for a couple of weeks and the principal announced it was a bit of a competition. And the competition was who would like to MC all the school assemblies. And I was thinking, like, 
that is such an amazing opportunity, who wouldn't want to, like as a 15-year-old, who wouldn't want to MC all the school assemblies? So, of course, I applied. I get called into the office a couple of weeks later. Congratulations, Paula. It's all yours. And he confessed to me at the end of the year that I was the only person in the entire school who applied. So yeah. even back then, it was a, it's a pretty rare thing for someone to really enjoy presenting. But I grew up in an amateur theatre family, so I was thrust on stage at quite an early age, and I was one of those kids, something perhaps you don't know about yet, I was one of those you know, kids joining the Donny Young Talent School, singing and dancing um, up on the stages at the shopping centres. So I've always loved performing, and uh, speaking is something that's a little bit different to performing. And I got um, you know, quite obsessed about the power of speaking when I was emceeing the school assemblies every week because I realised even then is just having that presence up on stage builds trust with an audience. So even though I was the new kid on the block and I certainly wasn't the most popular and I was the least sporty person that you could know, I became captain of the red team within a few weeks yeah. and then head girl a few weeks later. Wow. And, uh, and it was really because I was just standing up there every single week speaking to an audience and everyone in the school got to know me, like me and trust me. So um, hence my authority at the school grew very quickly. Now, fast forward past school, I had many different jobs when I left school. Um, my poor suffering parents wanted me to go to university as I was a straight-A student. And um, I just I just wasn't ready to go to university. I was out um, just ready to see the big wide world. Um, but when I was about 19, I came home and said to my mum and dad, I, I think I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And they said, yes, hallelujah, what is it? And it was, I just want to be the boss. <laughs> that yeah. was it. That was my career plan. I wanted to be the boss. <laughs> and uh, that was serious. I, I really wanted to start my own business. And I didn't quite know what in at that stage. But the only thing that I really knew and loved so much uh, was performing and speaking and presenting. So I started a personal development school for kids. And, uh, and the school grew and grew and grew. And uh, before long, I was franchising the, the school and I had 2,500 students in classes each week across the wow. state. So um, I want to say before long, that took you know, a few years um, to get a franchise model right to train staff. I had 14 franchisees um, as well as thousands of students. Um, and when I say kids, I, I use the term kids quite loosely because my youngest student was three, but my oldest student was about 73 at that time. Okay. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just kids. Um, and, and every single week, even though it was personal development, it was going to dance and performing, uh, we were also uh, teaching our small children, well, all, all of our students, um, the power of speaking, using microphones, standing in front of their, their classmates all the time, speaking confidently. Because this is, this is certainly something, this is an area in terms of public speaking, and it's often referred to and talked about that it is one of the highest fears that people have is the fear of presenting public speaking. And yeah, it was no, no surprise really that you were the only person in the, your high school that volunteered to, to do that role. Uh, but that's pretty much reflects in life a lot. I think there's, to me, there seems to be a little bit of a change in that now with the way social media is and everyone's very seems to be very outwardly focused in terms of you know the, taking selfies going on video it but i think still in the percentage of people who are doing it it's still pretty low what are your thoughts on that 
I think a lot of people are scared of things that they don't know how to do. Mm. So I knew that when I put my hand up to speak in as a 15-year-old, um, I'd seen MCs. I, I'd been a, a young MC, so I, I knew what to do. So the fear factor wasn't there. So lots of presenters, and, and as you know, I've worked with thousands of professional speakers and presenters I, you know, over my career. A lot of the fear is about um, going blank, not knowing what to do, and not being good enough, not knowing enough stuff. And uh, we can talk about that as we go along. But, um, yeah, it's nerves is something that it is all in the mind. And, uh, and once we work on that mindset and give people a really great structure and some presenting skills, their confidence increases exponentially. And once they start doing it, like, it's like everything. The more you do it, the more confident you become. And then I turn these um, truly terrified speakers um, into enthusiasts where, where they're always putting their hand up to present. Once they realise the power that they have, when they do stand up to speak, whether it's to promote their business or whether they're teaching, lecturing, running workshops, so mm. many different aspects to be able to um, use presenting. Yeah, because it does give you that authority uh, because most people look at you up on a stage and going, oh, I wish I could do that or I could never do that. They have all these thoughts going through their head. So just the fact that you are up there uh, doing that in terms of presenting for in whatever business, whatever industry, whatever it is you're doing, you, you are certainly in the minority of people who are prepared to go and do that. And I, I think if people can sort of lock that into their mind in terms of pushing through that, it certainly does give you an advantage over your competition. If you can get out there and present uh, no different to a lot of people talk to me about podcasts, but they would never actually go and do this and, and set up a podcast and put themselves out in terms of being seen in, in uh, public presentation mode. And I can understand why, because you know, you, if people have any sort of fear of being criticized or, or, or looked at in not a good way, then they don't do it. But this is where you come in. So this is one of the core things that you are doing. So tell us about how you work that in with your business these days. Well, I have two sides to my business. So um, I should say I'm a little bit obsessed about quality presenting and training. So for the last 30 years, um, I have been training trainers and presenters. As uh, I finally did go to university as an adult, uh, adult learner, mm -hmm. I completed my training and development degree. In fact, most of my postgraduate studies have been everything to do with communication, influence, training and development. So it's not just powerful presenting, it's adult learning that I'm quite passionate about as well. Yeah. And uh, so one side of my business uh, for those 30 years that I work with CEOs and general managers, and almost every level of an organisation helping people to master their presentation skills. Uh, and when I say presentation skills, that can it, that's also a term that I can use quite loosely because presentation skills might be pitching to the board. Uh, it might be running their toolbox meetings in the morning. Um, it might be addressing their staff. It also might be being that keynote presenter at the industry conference. Mm. Like my work is really quite varied. So I, um, I work with a really diverse group of clients, sometimes the largest companies in Australia and also some of the, the smallest companies in Australia and solopreneurs who want to use speaking um, as a marketing strategy to grow their business. And uh, so that's one side. And then I also have a training company, which you mentioned when you introduced me, which is the Global Institute of Training and Presenting. Uh, and we run about 30 different masterclasses in everything to do with relationships. So um, no um, technical skills required for DITP trainers. That's where 
before you come in, Ed, all our, our courses that we run are everything to do with relationships, whether that's presenting, leadership, productivity. And I'm lucky enough to have some of the uh, most experienced presenters, uh, presenters and trainers in Western Australia working with me. So Fantastic. that's the two things I do. And, yeah. of course, I do lots of business coaching, mainly for uh, people who run training and presenting businesses as well. So that's something I love to love and give back after having my business for the last 30 years. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, so that leads us into some of the other areas that uh, we've discussed and want to talk about. Uh, because when you're up there presenting, you are typically, if you're doing the job right, in my book, you're telling a story, you're leading people down a path and giving them an experience. Uh, and I think storytelling in marketing, storytelling in copywriting, storytelling in presenting is, is a critical part of what needs to be woven into that production because it is a production. And we were talking earlier uh, before we started recording, there's a lot of time and energy put into putting a presentation together. And I've attended many presentations in my lifetime, as, as both of you guys have done. And uh, the old death by PowerPoint is often referred to by many presenters, where there really doesn't seem to be a story woven into the presentation. It's just uh, very mundane stuff that you could just go and watch uh, on, on Google or somewhere. I think if a human being is up there talking, there needs to be something interesting woven into it. So can you feed us into that path of storytelling with presenting? Sure. Now, storytelling is just one method of yep. uh, getting your message across. If we backtrack just a little bit further, really fantastic presenters have the ability to transform, in, uh, transform information into meaning or purpose. So I'll yes. say that again, great presenters have really great skills of transforming information into meaning. And stories are so powerful because we're wired to connect. So stories are a great way of transforming uh, information and facts and figures into something that has an emotional connection with their audience. So that's mm. why stories are, are so powerful. But there's so many other ways to be able to engage your audience and to be able to transform that information into meaning. And PowerPoint does get or slideshows do get a bit of a bad rap. And the only reason they get a bad rap is because so many trainers and presenters use that method quite poorly. Um, but if we just using really beautiful visuals up there, we can still tell a story using slides. We can Absolutely. Use, um, yeah. Yeah, beautiful images to enhance our presentations, mm. um, to, to put meaning behind data. So rather than, you know, bullet points and, and charts full of numbers up there, we can still paint a beautiful picture using slides in, in um, a very clever way because vision does trump all other senses. So yeah. if we are doing something visual, whether it's with our bodies or using props or using a slideshow, so audience still like to have that something visual to look at during a presentation. Yeah, which is why our podcast uh, watches right now are very blessed with the three of us because they've got something something beautiful uh. to look at. Um, <laughs> and then there's Brendan, but that's all right. We've got to include him. <laughs> That's very insulting. You're such a no, rude man. He's, he's such a hunk. Everyone says Brendan's such a hunk. So, so people just listening, if they're on their morning jog listening to us, they'll just miss out on the visuals. They will have to go back and watch the video. So this is, that's what we do, you see. We get people to go and watch the video again so they, they get it twice. So they, they've got the audio as well. So, yeah, you, too bad if you're jogging. That's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, 
in terms of uh, work you're doing now, what are some of the common uh, themes you see that you get asked for in terms of uh, helping people with presentations and, and storytelling? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I wrote an article on LinkedIn a, a few months ago and it was on the seven sins of presenting, or the seven things that we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I was quite surprised of how many likes and shares of that article got rather than the seven things we should be doing. Yes. So I think people are more interested in what they're doing wrong rather than what they're doing right. So, uh, so that was really interesting. So um, perhaps we can touch on a few things that presenters do wrong. Should we go there? Yeah, yeah let's go there yeah. because I look, you know, I'm... Sh- I always look at things that I'm doing and go, mm, yeah, I could be doing that better. I could be doing that better. There's always room for improvement. So tell and us. Everyone's been forced to, to sit through a presentation where it's like, I'm falling asleep. This is horrible. I've got like another hour to go of this. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, but go for it, Paula. Tell us, uh, I mean, go, feel free to go through the seven. I think, you know, we've got, we've got time. Yeah, we've got plenty of time. It's quite interesting what Brendan just saying about, you know, those presentations that we fall asleep. Yeah, sorry. So Who's I'm saying, saying that you <laughs> transform this information to meaning, but you have to engage them long enough to be able to do this. Yeah. So really great presenters hone their, their craft. Because presenting, it's art, it's science, and it's practice, and it is a craft. So learning about all those different ways we need to engage our audience is really important too. So let's start off. Okay, let's go through seven. Will I have seven? Have to remember seven. Okay, so number one, we can't start off boring. So many trainers present to start off by going, you know, hi, everyone. How are you? My name is Paula and this is what we're going to do today. And they're falling asleep before you've even started. Mm. So when we start a presentation, we've got to start off really strong. Um, The law of primacy and recency says that we will tend to remember the first and the last things that we hear in a conversation or a presentation. So the way we start a presentation should incite curiosity and get attention. And we can do that in ways like uh, starting off with a really interesting statistic, uh, a rhetorical question. Uh, We can have an action. We can have a snippet from a video. We could show um, an image that gets some emotional connection. Anything but giving the audience what they expect. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So if the audience expects so if someone's going to introduce themselves and then tell us what we're going to do today, give them totally the opposite. Make them sit up and go, oh, wow, this is different. This is going to be something that is worth watching. So, yeah, definitely the sin number one is do not start off boring. Give them um, something that they don't expect. Uh, number two, don't deliver a speech. We're not politicians. Well, most of us are not anyway. Yeah. And um, we don't want speeches. No. If we're at a conference in, in front of hundreds of employees waiting to be inspired in some way, the last thing they want is somebody up there delivering a speech. So a powerful presentation is about having a conversation from the platform, uh, not just any conversation. It's a, it's a guided conversation. And, and we want to make the audience feel like it's the very first time we've had that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. So if it's a speech, it can almost sound rote, not authentic, um, and if you've delivered that speech, you know, over and over again, it's going to sound like you're just delivering a yeah. paper. Um, so definitely no speeches, um, unless you're a, a politician, 
Um, or, I mean, in some cases, you know, at the end of a, a school graduation, people have to put a speech together. And, um, but even then, you can make it sound a little bit less, less speechy and more like a conversation with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be different for different sake. That's another sin that people do. They try to be really different. You know, they try too hard to put in these phrases or to wear weird outfits and, and to do what, you know, call themselves something. And I think an audience, yeah. uh, today anyway, we're quite sophisticated and, and I think an audience sees through all that. Um, we should be able to be authentic and congruent and just be able to stand up there and have a voice and, and, and not do all the palaver that the audience doesn't really need. Mm. Um, just because somebody told you to stand out, you have to be really different. So um, yeah, definitely totally don't agree. be different to different sake. But if you are a little bit different, that's fantastic. If one of my clients, she has blue hair. And if she's listening to this, she might know who she is. And, uh, and she works with criminals and she works with leaders. So that's, she has something really interesting. But her topic is creativity. So her blue hair really sort of fits in with who she is and her brand. So that's when it's not really different for different sake. That's congruent with her brand. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what else have I got? Don't talk to strangers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always don't talk to strangers. Did your mum tell you that, Brendan? Yes. So I'm a feeling whole... it. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Do your homework. So many people will stand up or presenters will stand up in, in front of their audience and um, they, they've never done any research about the audience. They haven't updated their slides. It's got outdated statistics up there. Mm. And then they'll start off with a, with a joke or something inappropriate that that particular audience gets really offended by. So um, great presenters and trainers you know, they do a lot in the consultation stage. And this is when Brenda was saying this, there's a lot of work in a presentation. And uh, it's not just about standing up there and delivering. It's hours and hours of research and putting the right presentation together for the right audience. So never talk to an audience that you haven't had the respect, um, you know, to get to know that audience before you do stand and, and share what they need to know, not what you want to give them. Uh, yep, no more talking to strangers. What number um, was that, Paula? Oh, was I don't the, know. Where are we up to? Is that three or four? That was four. I think it was four. That anyway. was four. Okay. We that like to you? live dangerously here on the Business Marketing Show. We'll just mix them up. Keep going. <laughs> um, don't use technology for the sake of using technology. Agreed. That's a yeah. bad idea. Some yeah. of the most powerful presenters have yeah. stood there with their one marker and a flip chart and been able to move thousands of people. Jim so- Rowan. Jim Rowan. <gasps> Jim Rowan comes to mind. And um, sorry to interrupt there. Uh, no, Jim no. Rowan is someone who was, he is and still is in my mind, probably the, one of the most captivating, superb presenters I've ever seen in my life. And I've been chatting to a lot of uh, millennials recently and I, I mentioned uh, Jim Rowan and they go, who? And I go, oh, okay. So, and there's so much content on YouTube and all the books he's written and he's just a fantastic guy. Lois and I met him a few times and I was privileged to sit down and have lunch with him at a, an event, um, this is going back 20 years ago, and talk about storytelling, masterful yeah. storytelling. And he just had flip chart with a, a marker pen or a whiteboard, no technology, nothing at all did I ever see 
Um, and that, that was probably partly because there wasn't a lot of technology sort of in the late 80s when he was presenting. But I think even if he did have it, he'd probably keep it simple. So anyway, that was he's a classic example of people who are listening and haven't check out Jim Rowan. He's passed away, unfortunately, but seven or eight years ago. But his work lives on. Awesome. Yeah. And as you mentioned, he was a storyteller. Yeah. So, Brilliant. you know, stories most of the time don't need technology. No. So I, I think a lot of presenters who use technology all the time are just a little bit lazy. Um, or if they're not lazy, they don't have enough know-how um, or, or skills um, or knowledge to have a look at all the different methodologies they can use to get their message across. Um, but, yes, yeah, storytelling, back to that storytelling, it, it is a really powerful um, method of engaging and emotionally connecting with your audience. So, yes, yeah, so don't use technology unless it's warranted. And, uh, and as you know, so many times it is warranted when you're doing things like this. Um, yeah. Use it sparingly and um, only use those slides if you really need to. Be a little bit more creative. Awesome. Um, and I think the last couple, that might be number five, is don't wing it. Never wing a presentation. We've yeah. all heard those presenters that go, I can talk about anything and I can jump up and um, do a presentation without any preparation. Um, look, I know that you know, we've all sometimes been put up um, under the palm and we have to put a presentation together quite quickly. But presenters who have spent years and years honing their craft and, and they have the skills to be able to do that is very, very different to somebody who has never presented. Um, they don't train or present for a living thinking they can stand up at a conference and just have a chat without little preparation. I think the preparation is always evident. Um, so never wing it and don't trust a presenter who says they're winging it. <laughs> I know that yeah. when I, I book so many speakers and trainers, um, I never would book anyone who I, I don't trust um, to give the audience enough respect to put in so much time and effort into that particular presentation. I would never book a trainer who brags that they winged it. So don't wing yeah. it and um, put all the, all the time and energy you can into every single presentation. And I think the lucky last one is don't over-rehearse. Mm. So rehearsing is really important. But um, I know this week I've been working with TED, TEDx presenters yes. that we were talking about before we started. Yeah. And, uh, and, and one of the scary things with some presenters is they get it right and then they spend, you know, the next week every single day going over it and over it word for word as it becomes rote. And they sometimes lose that emotional connection to, to what they're trying to portray. Yeah, good point. So don't over-rehearse, which doesn't mean you don't rehearse. I always um, like, rehearse my signature stories in my presentations. I always rehearse my openings and my closings because they're my PowerPoints. Um, and when I say PowerPoints, I don't mean slideshows. I mean my, my power moments, my opening and my closing. But the rest of the... Um, your presentation, it has to be a conversation. And, and every so what, what would rehearse be to you just basically stand there and talk it? Like, a, do you have a particular methodology for rehearsing it or going through it? Sorry, can you say that again, Brendan? I just missed it. Do you have a particular methodology for rehearsing or, or you just basically walk through the presentation? What, how do you do it? Yeah, so rehearsing, I use a structure. So uh, a lot of people say, I don't like structures, they're restricting. But a, a really good structure will set you free. So I know that I've got to have a powerful opening. You know, I know that I've got to weave in sometimes a little bit about my credibility. Um, I know that I sometimes have to remind the audience why they're there. Yeah. So it, it's a structure that I, I 
seamlessly. The audience can't see the structure unless they're looking for it, of course. And um, so I, I know what points in that structure that I need to rehearse. And uh, so rehearsing sometimes with your slides as well, if you are training and you've got slides. So I'll do a run through to make sure the transitions between my slides are nice and smooth. Um, and then there's other types of presentations like picture. So uh, I think you were there when we did our launch and we had a picture evening. And that's yeah. 20 slides in 20 seconds each. You don't have the remote control. So a presentation like that, which it has to be so succinct and it's only six minutes, 40 seconds, has to be rehearsed over and over again. And, and just to, that is pronounced Petcha Kutcha. Petcha Kutcha. Petcha Kutcha. I thought you said pet culture. I'm like, what? <laughs> Petcha Kutcha. Okay. So, uh, so where does that come from? Great. It sounds like it's a, a South American. <laughs> it's Japanese. Oh, it's and, Japanese. Okay. Yeah. And if you don't, if you've never heard of Petcha Kutcha, I, um, yeah, I challenge you all to Google it and watch some really good Petcha presentations in fact on our website under expert tv we have about six or seven of our presentations from our launch that anyone can access fantastic okay petra kutcher take note people go and have, have a look um so <laughs> that's fantastic seven sins yet? I'm, I'm sure we've got to seven well i think we've got to seven <laughs> if we didn't one of the sins could be forgetting what you're presenting <laughs> exactly. um, <laughs> now, one of the things I like to have in a presentation is humour. Um, yes. I think, in my personal opinion, is that people remember you and certainly remember the topic more if there's fun injected into the subject. And I get that feedback a lot, saying I really enjoyed it, it was fun and you were funny and it seems to stick in people's memory bank. If, if you're dull and boring and, and plain... Uh, people just well, they'll fall asleep. That's just unfortunate. Now, what what did people do if they're not a naturally you know I can poke fun at people. Like I'm a bit naughty. Um, you know, Brendan sometimes tells me off because I you know push the envelope, don't you, Brendan? <laughs> You're very naughty. Your dad jokes can be a bit inappropriate. Dad jokes. Yeah. You've got to have some dad jokes there for those <laughs> youngsters. <laughs> so, those uh, millennials, Ed. Those millennials. What, what are your thoughts on being funny, Paula? Because you you can be very funny. I've seen you present quite but a lot. I can't tell a joke. I'm well, no, so I can't either. Bad. I'm hopeless at telling a joke. Telling I think I know one. <laughs> and, but, My very strong opinion in this is um, on-the-spot humour is is magic it's that humor that you have in the moment and that's when yes. i can be really funny yes. and i think you're right you know people do like a bit of humor but it's not because they love humor they like that emotional connection yeah, so emotion trumps logic in most times and and humor is something that can be um, emotionally arousing you know for an audience as well mm. but jokes the one thing with jokes that i don't like is jokes are generally designed to offend somebody and Quite going often, back yes. to that sin is don't talk to strangers. You don't really know who's in your audience. You don't really know their political beliefs, their religious beliefs, their sexual preferences. You don't know anything about the audience really. Yeah. So telling jokes can sometimes be quite dangerous. We call them red flags. Mm -hmm. um, but on the spot humour, um, I think everybody really appreciates it. And I know that my training rooms are filled with laughter. That is a must. 
Yeah, and, self um, self deprecating yeah. is is a pretty safe one in my book because in some cultures, not in, in all some, cultures. yeah, not in all cultures. And that's a good point. You yes. got to check where you're doing it. Like if yeah. you're uh, what's a, a culture that you know for certain self deprecation is is uh, taboo. Uh, well, I I do a bit of training in KL. Mm-hmm. So, um, although you know, there's been um, you know, some some talk about you know saving face, and um, and but I've I've worked quite a bit in Malaysia, and um, I still you know I love working in in the Malaysian culture as well. So, um, but it was on my my list of things when I was doing my culture intelligence training is to to be careful about that type of okay. um, humour. Um, but. Yeah, you know, it, it, it still works, but you've just got to be careful with some cultures. So understand if you are presenting overseas, just understand when you sure. what type of humour that you can share and, and definitely steer away from the jokes. Yeah, very, very good, very good. Unless, unless of course, you're the type of presenter and they're booking you because of your jokes. They're booking you because you are the funny presenter, and that's a completely different story. As a business presenter and the things that I do, they don't book me for humour, but they have a great time during my presentations. Big difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I certainly never get booked for my, you know, comedic skills <laughs> or jokes. My dad jokes. Let's get Ed for dad jokes. Um, well, Brendan's a new dad. Well, how, how old is your little one now? Nearly a year. She's a, Nearly uh, a year. Yeah, That's why he hasn't had a shave. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Before we got on the call, I was like, oh, no, I'm talking to someone about presentation and I haven't shaved today. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen you clean shaven, Brendan. Do you just like having a scruffy, hungry Well, it's a little bit messy. It's yeah, his it brand. Cleaner, but, yeah. It is his brand. Yeah, I just work so hard as a new dad and a business owner to deliver for clients. <laughs> yeah, work-life balance. You haven't quite got it right yeah. yet. <laughs> and, be, and be careful of too much bullshit. That's the other thing you got to do <laughs> when you're presenting. <laughs> uh, Brendan, Brendan. So do you have anything you would like to ask? Paul yeah, I have some questions. So do you have any, I mean, when I started presenting, I learned, I, I took some training on presenting and there was a couple of things that really stood out that helped me. And one was no hands in the pockets and don't have anything to jiggle. Uh, what else was there? Eye contact was a big one, controlling your yeah. eye contact because the, the whatever the training was, the guy explained that if you rapidly move your eyes from one person to another in an audience, your brain automatically goes into threat mode. So I'm just wondering, did... Yeah. Are there some broad recommendations you'd have or strategies or, or things that every – we've talked about what presenters shouldn't do. Is there things that every presenter should do or things that would, you know, simple strategies like that that would up-level a presentation or someone on stage? Wow. There was probably about seven questions in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I lost count at 10, but that's okay. <laughs> So back to the coaching. When you see the coaching, then it's it's too much. And uh, and I see so many times when presenters are up there and uh, you know they're walking to the centre stage and standing there, and their gestures are a, a little bit awkward. And you go, oh wow, this person's had a bit of coaching recently. So you shouldn't look like you've had some coaching. Your gestures should be quite natural. And, uh, and yes, it's great to get some stage presence and um, some choreography in a great presentation, but not when it's overdone. It's got to look really quite natural. Um, yeah. So when you're talking about things with hands in pockets, 
it's, you know, I know of pre presenters who kind of start off strong and then they do pace a little bit and, and it might be just their way of having their hand in their pocket occasionally. Um, and others, it doesn't look very natural and they're busy fiddling with things in their pocket and it can be very distracting okay. to the audience. <laughs> so um, it, it's just got to be natural. It's got to, every presenter has their own unique style and we never want to coach that out of them. So yeah. we don't want to have all presenters presenting exactly the same. There's going to be some presenters who their brand is quite quirky and they do pace a little bit more. You know, there's others that will be softly spoken and, and almost present in a whisper and that's what makes them so powerful. So we don't want to coach somebody's authentic style or the thing that makes them uniquely them as a presenter. So um, coaching is very good. I have to say that because that's what I do for a living. <laughs> so <laughs> choose your coach wisely and just ensure that your coach allows you to be your authentic self up there. Mm. Um, now, what else did you mention up there that I may have missed? Eye, eye contact and, and oh, eye contact. contact. Absolutely. You also talked about they go into threat mode. Thanks to the neuros, uh, like the latest research, uh, research in neuroscience, we now know a lot about um, our brain chemicals and what's happening in the brains of our audience and also ourselves as a presenters, what's happening in our own brain. And um, we, we do need to be able to structure our presentations in such a way and have habits from the stage um, that increases bonding and trust from the audience to make sure that the brain, the right brain chemicals are, are being um, released uh, in any presentation because you don't want an audience to go into threat mode because your authority or your credibility is shut down instantly. Mm. So, uh, and that's why that, that power of storytelling is so amazing, um, Ed, as, you, as we keep coming back to it. Yeah. So um, now we know why storytelling is so powerful from a neuroscience perspective. So um, we, the fascinating thing about stories is when you're listening to a story and it's been told really well, the same brain chemicals are being released as if you were actually experiencing it. Yeah, very good point. I'm getting shivers down my spine now because I'm, I'm thinking again back to, you know, uh, Jim Rohn, I keep harping about Jim Rohn, yeah. but there's, there's a reason a reason for that is I, I have like literally probably a hundred stories that I have of his that have stuck in my head yeah. and will never go yeah. away. And that's, you know, I've been to so many other presentations where I couldn't even remember two minutes of what was said, let alone, you know, yeah. thousands, thousands of bits of content or, or storytelling. So I really... And each one... Um, sorry to interrupt, but no. each one of those stories would have had an emotional connection with you at some level, and that's why you've remembered it. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And weirdly, this has only just clicked. I mean, I've sort of intuitively known some of this, but just in having this conversation, yeah. it is really actually the light bulb's gone on big time in my head. Uh, so fantastic. Thank you. Excellent. I Paula. like it when people have a heart oh, yeah. when I'm speaking. Absolutely an aha moment. And um, I'm sure that's one of the many things people leave uh, from your presentations and your workshops uh, having. 
caller. And so, the other um, interesting thing is, yeah. is you you don't know your audience. Like we said, don't talk to strangers. Yeah. But every single person in the audience, their their brains are wired completely differently because of, of the experiences they've had. So even in a really small training room, you might only have six or eight people. Whatever you're sharing at that time is being received completely differently because every person has had a lifetime of different experiences, and so they're connecting what you're saying to something that they've already experienced or something that they know. So they're even hearing your message slightly different and they're connecting the dots to make it emotionally relevant to themselves. Yeah. And that's well, and I, I know you've, you use or know or understand a lot about uh, NLP neuro linguistic programming for those who don't know what it is. And uh, people interact with uh, people differently. So they're taking things in whether they're very visual, as you say, that's the strongest, most sort of popular uh, intake is visual then there's uh, auditory and then there's kinesthetic. So touchy feely. So again, it's understanding, you know, you can, if you interwine or in, intermix all those different areas into presentations, then you have a better chance of getting across to the widest audience. But that can be quite difficult if you've got a high percentage typically who will be visual. So how do you deal with something like NLP when you're presenting? Yeah. I think I mentioned earlier, um, vision trumps all other senses. So mm -hmm. you have to be quite visual up there, even if it's not through slides, just yeah. with your, your, your body you know, being quite you know, physical, using your hands. So you've got, vision does help for people to remember information. Mm. Um, I've also developed, um, it's the only qualification in Australia uh, in neuro-presenting. Right. So, and we've, um, when I say we, is I have an advisory board of, of experts from business and in neuroscience and adult learning. And, um, and I've put together 14 neuro presenting principles and it addresses all those types of things. Okay. Um, and, and as you can probably hear presenting, it is art, science and, and practice. There's lots more to understand about becoming a, an exceptional presenter and trainer. It's not just about being charismatic and sharing a message. It's understanding that is your message being received and will the audience remember this? And uh, have you packaged your message up in such a way that your audience can also repeat your message the next day? And yeah. does it have that emotional connection? So it has meaning for that audience member or that trainee. Otherwise, it will be, wow, that was a great presentation and they will remember nothing of it or nothing will change because of the presentation for them. Yeah, fa fantastic. Uh, I think presentation skills is a bit like music or, or playing an instrument. It's a lifelong journey. Yes. Um, you're always trying to improve and hone that skill. You don't just go and do a workshop and then all of a sudden you're an expert presenter. It doesn't happen that way. And it, it takes uh, lots of work and effort to, uh, to, to become the best in your, in your craft. So uh, that being said, thank you very much, Paula, for coming on the show. It's been fantastic to have you. And uh, where can people get in touch with you? What's the best way people can reach out to Paula, your preferred method of contact? Uh -huh. You know, my preferred method of contact is by the telephone. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something a bit unique? Yes. <laughs> so I, I love here. to have a chat on the telephone and have a real conversation with people. Yep. But if you just want to have a look at some of the work that I do, um, the Global Institute of Training and Presenting, it's www.gitp. 
www.kong.au. That's where all my masterclasses are, a little bit about me, and there's lots of ways of how to connect with me on there, my phone number. Fantastic. Email address. And um, if not, just Google Paula Smith Speaker and there'll be, you know, my personal website comes up, or Facebook, or LinkedIn, connect with yeah. me on okay. LinkedIn. Yeah, so, however, have a conversation with anyone who's passionate about training and presenting. Fantastic. Uh, anything else, Brendan, before we let Paula get back to her? Well, we could talk all day. I'm kind of a, I, I want to do some presentation training. Excellent. Well, I know someone that can help you with that, Brendan. She's. I, I, you have online classes, is that right? The master classes? Are they. I don't, yeah, I don't do online classes. I do online coaching, but again, it's not my preference. Um, I love the, um, the value of being present. Um, so I do run uh, full-day masterclasses um, all over Australia as well. Um, I run the, the Diploma of Neuropresenting. That's a five-day immersion in presenting. They're for the serious presenters, and that's in every state once a year. And then I run one-day masterclasses or can do some private coaching. So... Awesome. Fantastic. Okay. Well, we will finish up there. Thank you again, Paula, for coming on the Business Marketing Show. Great to have you. Thank you, Brendan, for being such a lovely man that you are with your lovely... You're very flirty today, by the way. I'm very flirty. I love, I love my Brendan. He's a good man. He's, he's, he's my bro. He's my bro. Um, so uh, we'll leave it at there and thank you the listener for uh, tuning in to the business marketing show and we'll see you on the next episode bye for now bye everyone you've been listening to the business marketing show you can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on itunes soundcloud and stitcher